guys, and welcome back to Lesson Learned, a podcast where I'll be openly sharing about my struggles so that you don't feel so alone in yours. And as the name suggests, I will be talking about the lessons that I've learned through it. And I do plan on having many guests on the show for them to share their stories. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I hope you are too. And before we begin, thank you to everyone who's been supporting me thus far. I appreciate all of you. And thank you to whoever that one person was from Canada who's listening. You're awesome. And I hope I could give you a great big hug one day after COVID is like a thing of the past. And to everyone else, probably just my friends and family, thank you. I love you. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Before we continue, there is one thing that I need to set straight that I said incorrectly in the previous episode. I mentioned that my dad is a dental hygienist. He is not, and I don't know why that came out because he's always been a dental technician, which is very different from dental hygienist. He doesn't work at a dental office like a dental uh, hygienist would. He works at like a lab and he makes like teeth. That's what he does. So a big thank you to my sister for correcting me. And now we move on. So today we are going to be starting a series on toxic relationships. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is because I didn't realize how prevalent this was. So a couple weeks ago, I was chatting with someone who had just gotten out of a very toxic and complicated relationship. And after that conversation, I just thought to myself, like, I wonder how many people have experienced being in some sort of toxic relationship. To feed my curiosity, I went on my Instagram story and I asked, have you ever been in a toxic relationship? And there's a simple option to click on either yes or no. And then my follow-up question was, when did you realize you were in one and how did you exit that relationship? And to my surprise, I received a decent amount of responses. Some people messaged me directly, like sharing with me their stories. And I realized, okay, wow, this is pretty common but why don't we talk about it more often? Or maybe you guys do, like amongst your peers and whatnot. But I don't think talking about it for the sake of talking about it is always beneficial. What I mean by talking about it is you know, being able to identify what it was that made the relationship toxic and did you contribute to that toxicity? Because when you're able to be honest with yourself and identify these things, then you can learn from it so that next time it doesn't happen again. So before we get into it, let's define what a toxic relationship is. According to an article on Time, it defines a toxic relationship as any relationship between people who don't support each other, where there's conflict, and one seeks to undermine the other, where there's competition, where there's disrespect, and a lack of cohesiveness. A toxic relationship is consistently unpleasant and draining for the people in it, to the point that negative moments outweigh and outnumber the positive ones. Toxic relationships are mentally, emotionally, and possibly even physically damaging to one or both participants. And I just want to put it out there that they also mentioned that having ups and downs in a relationship is normal, and fighting with your partner doesn't necessarily mean that your relationship is toxic. So keep that in mind. In another article in Psychology Today, Dr. John Kim says, A toxic relationship can be dangerous because you may not be aware that it's even harming you. And to add to that, I don't think that people are always aware that they're in a toxic relationship until after the fact. 
Anyways, he continues. He says, it can kill you slowly inside, stunt your growth, lower your self-esteem, and disconnect you from you without you realizing it. Toxic can happen over time. That's what makes toxic relationships so dangerous. Many aren't obvious. Toxic can be a very slow leak, but a leaky faucet can eventually drown you. That is pretty deep right there. Uh, no pun intended. And I know when we think of toxic relationships, often we think of our relationships with other people. And we will get to that. But today, I want to begin with the relationship you have with yourself. And yes, you can have a toxic relationship with yourself. A quote from Robert Holden says, The relationship you have with yourself sets the tone for every other relationship you have. So keep that in mind. I know I'm reading a lot of quotes from different articles, but hang tight and bear with me. Another article on mentalhealth.org says to try this exercise. So try it with me. Imagine being in a relationship with someone you didn't love, found to be deeply flawed, worthless, and not good enough. Now imagine you have to be in this relationship for the rest of your life. How would that relationship feel? How would that relationship affect your thoughts, behavior, and day-to-day life? And when I read this, it made me pause for a second because everything it lists, like someone you don't love, someone you find to be deeply flawed, worthless, not good enough, was how I thought about myself for the majority of my life. In other words, I had a lot of self-loathing. And if you don't know what self-loathing is, I'll define it for you. In psychology today, it defines self-hatred as continual feelings of inadequacy, guilt, and low self-esteem. People may constantly compare themselves to others, perceive only the negative and ignore the positive, and believe that they will never be good enough. And honestly, there should be a picture of me next to this definition because that was me. I had no sense of worth or self-worth, and I didn't really hear a lot of affirmation from my parents growing up, so I didn't really get a chance to develop my self-esteem. Plus, I grew up in a Christian household with strict Asian parents, so I grew up thinking that I have to do the right thing, right? Otherwise, I would be punished. So I had a very black and white view of the world with no room for any gray. Either something was good or it was bad. Nothing in between. And since I was a perfectionist, but at the same time, like I wasn't particularly good at anything, but I'm the one judging my own efforts and my work, and I would always see that it was far from perfect. And so I always deemed myself not good enough. Like everything I did was not good enough. And I thought, I actually thought I wasn't good at anything. And if you think about it, like I had these thoughts when I was a kid, but it's kind of ridiculous for a child to think that they could be perfect at a particular skill because like you're a kid, like when you're a kid, your intelligence is limited. How you view yourself and the world is like pretty small and your skills, your even your motor skills aren't even fully developed yet. Yet, I had this ridiculous standard for myself, and unfortunately, instead of it becoming something that drove me to work harder, I became the opposite. I became a defeatist. To me, if I wasn't the best already, then I would never be, and there was no point in trying, so I would just give up, and I would give up so quick at a lot of things that I did and a lot of things that I tried. For those of you who listened to episode one, you guys know that I grew up extremely emotionally stunted because I suppressed a lot of my feelings, or all of my feelings, um, 
a lot of my negative feelings, and I never dealt with the pains and hurts from my past. I had a lot of emotional wounds that eventually morphed into a lot of insecurities and self-loathing. Like any regular kid, or any regular human being for that matter, I craved love and affection. Yet, I had this fundamental belief that there was something wrong with me. I believed that I was unlovable and just not good enough at anything. All my life, I, be- I kept telling myself, like, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And like I mentioned, I didn't receive a lot of attention from my parents, so I sought them out in my friendships. But even with my friendships, I never let anyone get too close because I was so scared of people seeing too much, too much of me. And if they saw too much, I thought like I would get shunned and I would get rejected. And I didn't want to get hurt, so I pushed people away to protect myself. I believe that if they saw who I really was, like all the good, bad, and the ugly, that there was no way that they could love me. Because how could they? If I didn't love myself, how could I believe that anyone else could love me for me? And there were three main things I didn't like about myself the most. The first was intelligence, or lack thereof. Uh, The second is how I looked, you know, body image. And the third was just me, like my character, who I was as a person. So first, regarding my intelligence, I grew up thinking I was very dumb, especially compared to my siblings and all my other Asian counterparts, right? And it didn't help that my mom would compare me to my friends who were, they were actually much smarter than I was. I went to a pretty academically competitive school with predominantly Asian people. And if you grew up in an Asian household, you've probably been compared to your siblings or friends regarding your grades or even how you treat them. Like, so-and-so gets A+, like, why don't you? Or this person, like, never speaks disrespectfully to their parents. Like, why can't you be like them? And so I would just, like, roll my eyes, right? But deep down, like, I'm already comparing myself to everyone else, too, so... Hearing those words were actually more hurtful than I realized. At least for me, when I heard stuff like that from my mom, it affirmed the negative thoughts and beliefs I already had about myself, that I'm not good enough, that I am a failure. And over time, those thoughts became even more solidified and it became my truth. And anyone who told me otherwise was a liar. I personally don't think traditional schooling was for me. I didn't know that there were any alternatives uh, except for homeschooling, which I didn't want to do. And I think since fourth grade, I dreaded like the eight plus years of school ahead of me. I didn't particularly enjoy any of the traditional classes that they taught, like math, science, English, history, whatever. And since I didn't care about those subjects, it was so hard for me to focus in class. I would zone out and daydream often and I never studied because I couldn't sit still and force myself to study things I could not care less about. But looking back, like I know I wasn't stupid. I just didn't care. Like I didn't care about my classes. I didn't care about school. But back then, your grades determine whether you're smart, right? Like it determines kind of like your worth and your value. And it determines whether you get praise from your parents or not. So if you get A's, you're smart, like great job. If you get B's or C's, especially as an Asian, those are equivalent as getting F's. So you just get ready to get whooped, right? And if you get D's or F's, first of all, you're a terrible Asian and you're pretty much dead meat. So just say your prayers and good luck. For me, getting straight A's was really rare. But for some reason, I was always placed in advanced classes. I don't even know how because it's not like I did well. Uh, But people thought I was smart because I was in these classes. But nope, I was in advanced math since middle school until high school. 
who took calc and whatever, and I failed like every test. Or not like every test, but like I failed a lot of them. And not just like Asian failing, like B's and C's, like actually failing. I kid you not. So again, I felt like a failure and I felt so incredibly dumb. And another thing I struggled with and that so many people struggle with is body image. We hate how we look, right? And we are our biggest critic. And honestly, I can do an entire podcast about this topic or maybe multiple episodes regarding this topic. But when I reflect on my past, I know I didn't always struggle with body image. Like when I was younger, I didn't care so much about how I looked. I think I liked my body just fine. But it was only as I got older that I started developing insecurities and listening to what other people would say about me and allowing their words to affect me and shape how I viewed myself. I mostly struggled, and I still struggle with my masculine build uh, because I have broad shoulders, I have defined muscular arms, and I don't have boobs. Like when I was in middle school, I think puberty stopped by my door and waved as it passed by. Like it, it literally did nothing for me. I didn't grow taller, like I didn't really get boobs, right? And so I was just like, man, I should have been born a boy. Life would be so much easier. All jokes aside, at the core of everything, I just hated who I was. Like, I didn't have any character or any positive attributes. And even when I tried, like, really hard to think of one good thing about me, even if I did think of something, I deemed it stupid and insignificant and not worth being proud of. I didn't appreciate anything about myself. And when the way you view yourself is so negative, there's honestly nothing anyone else can do or say to make you believe otherwise. And so I hated receiving any sort of compliments because... First of all, it was uncomfortable, and second of all, I thought they were all lies, and so I didn't believe them. So then how did I get out of this pit of self-loathing? It actually took me a while to reflect on this because it didn't just happen overnight, and it didn't happen all at once. It happened probably simultaneously as I was going through and sifting through the pains of my past and dealing with my emotions. It took a lot of years to get to where I am now, and even as I say this, it's not like I'm now somehow immune to self-loathing. I'm not, but it's a continual work in progress. I had to slowly but surely change the way I thought. And for the longest time, trying to change the way you think is really weird. And it feels kind of silly and stupid and seemingly impossible. But just like when you first start working out, like it's uncomfortable and unpleasant. And training your mind and how you think is similar to that. So going along that analogy, if you guys work out like I do, then maybe this one will sit with you. Let's say you haven't worked out in a long time, or let's say you have never worked out, and then you decide one day, I'm going to climb 100 flights of stairs, I'm going to run 10 miles, do 1,000 sit-ups, 1,000 push-ups, and like, let's say 500 squats. First of all, if that's your goal for day one, you probably won't be able to finish or even get halfway through. Or even if you do, you'll probably be bedridden the next day and you won't feel like working out again for a very long time because after a workout like that, especially when you're not used to doing it and your body isn't accustomed to that crazy exercise, it's going to be way too painful. You need positive reinforcement to help build a healthy habit. You can't try to do everything all at once and fit it into one day. That's not how it works. For me, I realize if there's something I don't like about myself that I can change, then I have to take the steps 
to make that change. I realize it's better if I make very small changes over time, because if I try to do something all at once, I'm going to give up along the way. As I've already told you, I had a tendency of throwing my hands in the air and giving up right away. But I was like, okay, what? is easy for me to give up, that I don't mind giving up. And I have to think about those things. And when you make those tiny incremental changes over time, it becomes it becomes a lot. When you look back, you'll see that you didn't make just one adjustment. Like now, after however many years, you've made like 10 or 20 adjustments and you're going to be a completely different person than you were then. And maybe now you can appreciate yourself and all the hard work you invested in yourself. But that's the thing. You have to invest in yourself and let's face it when you think of investment you invest in things or people that you trust that you care about uh, but if you don't trust yourself and you don't like yourself and you don't care about yourself why would you invest in yourself so I had to start with just one right but I couldn't think of one so I had to ask other people do I have any positive traits <laughs> you know because I can't think of anything for me my husband helped me so much. I don't think I would be where I am today without his help. Because first of all, he never, ever reaffirmed any of the negative beliefs I had about myself. That I was stupid, ugly, and just a terrible human being. He saw things in me that I was blind to. He told me I was a kind and compassionate person, which like honestly still to this day I think is pretty ridiculous and I'm pretty sure I laughed about it because I was like uh no I'm I'm a really mean person and I don't care about other people like I hate everyone right and although I felt like that was true it wasn't entirely true like across the board like sure I was selfish and sometimes I didn't care about others like at all but there were times that I did and when I did show my care for people like I did it pretty well and my husband helped me to get better at focusing on the small things instead of dismissing any positive things because I felt like my negative traits outweighed them you know that doesn't mean turn a blind eye to your faults that's not what I'm saying but what I am saying is that focusing on your faults isn't always beneficial if you can focus on your positive traits and see your faults as things you can work on you can start creating a better and healthier environment for you to keep going and keep growing Let's think about it this way. Let's say you have a child, uh, a baby, and I'll call the baby a she. Your baby can't walk yet, and all she does is eat and sleep and cry all day, doesn't really contribute to, si to society or help around the house. But that's okay because she's a baby, and that's what babies do. You're not going to get frustrated and say like, oh, like, oh my gosh, you're such a useless baby, right? And let's say after a while the baby is learning to walk and isn't very good at it and keeps falling. So what do you do? You're going to keep encouraging her as she takes one step. And if she falls, which she will, you tell her that it's okay and to keep trying again. You don't berate your baby for trying and failing. You know that one day she'll be able to walk. And how do you know this? Because she'll keep trying and eventually she'll develop the muscles to hold herself up on her own and she'll be able to walk and run. But it might take a while. It might take a few weeks or a few months or even longer. But even if it takes longer than expected, you don't throw your hands up in the air and discourage your child from ever attempting to walk again, right? Like just because they tried a hundred times and failed a hundred times, you're not going to be like, all right, you're just a lost cause. But this is exactly what we do to ourselves and this is exactly what I did to myself. I would try a few times and I would fail so I would give up and I would tell myself like, oh, I'm just not cut out for this or like, I suck, like you suck, you suck, like I'm just a failure. But 
we show so much more grace to other people, like our family and our friends. Like if they are going through the same thing, we would encourage them to keep going, but we're not so kind to ourselves. Like why is that? Regarding self-loathing, I asked on my Instagram again just yesterday if people struggled with it. And the majority of the people said yes. I realized almost everyone struggles with self-loathing to a certain degree. And even some of my own friends and family members that I didn't know struggled with it. And I was just like, what? Like most of these people are around my age range, but I never talked to them about it. And I didn't know they struggled with it. And when I was struggling with it, I assumed that everyone else wasn't struggling with it. I assumed everyone else was confident and they were fine. And I thought I was going through it by myself. And since I thought I was alone in my struggle, I kept it to myself. And I didn't even think to ask other people if they struggled with self-loathing. I thought it was something that I was just going through by myself. And I was the only one in the world who hated themselves as much as I did. But something that I'm learning and realizing more and more is that... My struggles are not that unique. They're not so unique in the sense that I'm the only one in the whole planet going through it. There's always someone else out there who can empathize, who has been through it, who is going through it. Sometimes just knowing that you're not alone is enough and brings a sense of comfort. But not in the sense where it's like misery loves company, but more so in the sense of you don't feel like you're in this pit of despair all by yourself. Life is hard. And learning to love and respect yourself is hard too, but that doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Don't forget to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Lesson Learned Pod, and also my personal Instagram page at Jolie. that's A-N-G-J-H-O-L-E-E. And if you are listening from a platform where you can leave ratings and a review, please do so. A five-star rating and a review would help me out so much. And join me next time where I'll have my very first guest on the show, my husband, Patrick Lee, and we'll be discussing our very toxic relationship from when we first started dating and even some toxic things that entered into our marriage thereafter. So stay tuned, guys, and I'll see you next time on Lesson Learned.